feel like there's so much to say, yet I don't know where to begin. Just start off with, uh, hey guys, we did it. <laughs> well, there's your intro right there. You've introed our show. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So I was going to introduce you, <laughs> but you've introduced yourself. <laughs> All right, so we've um, we've got Charlie back on the show, Charlie Chapman. Um, figured probably it was you're really kind of the only person we could have on as a guest now that the, now that the 16 inch <laughs> has been launched considering the uh, the massive campaign we ran between us for the last well like month i suppose yeah something like that i, I think the last uh, the last couple of weeks have definitely ramped up in intensity there intensity yeah that's like that's a good word <laughs> i think it's getting <laughs> i think i think apple is sort of uh apple is sort of jerking us around and we were starting to get a little crazy i think <laughs> I say Apple as if it's their fault, but uh, the leaks or whatever you want to call it uh, were getting our hopes up and then dashing them across the rocks and then getting our hopes up and dashing them again. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, this time last week, what we're recording now, Sunday the 17th, this time last week, I, I genuinely kind of thought this, this is the week. But then that being said, the Sunday before that, I thought the same thing. And the Sunday before that, <laughs> I thought the same. But there was a bit more of that feeling yeah. last Sunday. It felt like every week was going to be the week and every other day was going to be the day. And I was kind of <laughs> beginning to sort of put my it's going to be 2020 lens on it. I, I was distinctly surprised, to be honest, but when we got um, everything quickened and we ended up with the machines being being announced uh, last week. Yeah. When was it? Monday? Was it the Monday night that the, the 9 to 5 Mac story went out saying about the private press briefings? Everything seemed to gather pace on Monday, I think. But once that that nine to five Mac article was out, to me, it was it was, you know, it was happening at that point. As far as I was concerned, yeah, especially when all the usual suspects got very quiet. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mark Gurman. Mark Gurman was tweeting, and everybody was just completely silent. There was nothing from Marco, nothing from you know MKBHD or any of the people. It's like, yeah, I think something might be going on here. And then everybody just happened to be getting on a plane right around that time. <laughs> normally you can tell when Rene Ritchie posts a picture of his Apple watch saying like the, the little like Apple wallet thing with the, the plane ticket but he didn't do that this time uh, I wonder whether Apple have said look Rene could you could you maybe not do that this time because it's going to give the whole thing away yeah that that wouldn't surprise me because that's become the tell that we're all just like uh desperately looking for every time now uh it's been, um, it's, I mean it's been it's been a long time coming I think when when did we get the first rumor was it like February I think it was like a the Ming Chi Kuo rumor back in February. I think yeah, some sometime in early like spring, maybe yeah, maybe even February. Yeah, and I was almost ready to pull the trigger on a well, that would have been a 2018 model at that point. I was so close to to pulling the trigger on one, and then this rumor hit, and I was like, well, I, I can't now. Not now. I've heard this rumor. I've got to, <laughs> yeah. got away, and I, I still don't know whether that was the right choice. I think probably on balance it was. I mean, I've had to wait a long time. And of course, I had to sell my iMac in order to kind of part fund this this MacBook. But of course, I kind of felt pressure to sell the iMac because I knew that there'd be new iMacs in April, May time. So I sold the iMac in March, which has meant I've been sort of limping along on this 2010 MacBook Pro ever since then, kind of kind of waiting. And it's been sort of disintegrating a little bit more as, <laughs> as each week passes. Now I've got this crazy green line down the screen as I'm talking to you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like every week another piece sort of falls off of it, Dave. <laughs> well, my my charger's now held together with um, black insulation tape because all the uh, insulation that comes on the cable has kind of come off, and now that you kind of got that 
uh, braided metal kind of stuff that's on the inside of the cable. Uh-huh. So it's, it's yeah, it's bad at this point. It really is bad. It's funny because a lot of the reviews and initial impressions I've heard so far of, of, of the 16-inch have been in the context of compared to the 2019 15-inch MacBook Pro or compared to the 2015 15-inch MacBook Pro. And I'm thinking, I'm coming from a 2010 MacBook Pro, so <laughs> it's almost like... Th- there is no way I'm going to be disappointed with this machine when I get it. I'm going to be like, wow, this is amazing. You, you need to take a side-by-side of, of both of them. Well, you know what? I was thinking that it's quite a cool opportunity that I've got because not many people are still going to be using this 2010 MacBook Pro. Um, I mean, this is the one that you could put the high-res anti-glare screen on, that kind of generation. It was like the first one to have an i7 um, I remember holding on for ages for this one, in fact, because I knew that the i7s were coming and I wasn't going to buy a Core 2 Duo if I knew the i7 was coming to a MacBook. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it might be cool to... I don't know whether I could YouTube something or, or, or what or do something with this show, but just some kind of comparison of like 2010 versus this new 16-inch, I think it could be quite interesting. Now, that one has the chiclet keyboard, right? Like the black keys. Uh, it was like the the unibody style design right it wasn't the that's right one before yeah so it's a unibody with black keys and backlit it's surprising how similar those still look to what we have now that's funny i I was thinking that again a lot of the whole story about this 16 inch or or a large part of it at least it seems has been focused around the keyboard and you know rightly so (laughs) but i kind of feel like i'm gonna when I finally do get to see one, even if before I own one, perhaps in a store and use it, I'm going to be like, oh, this is just kind of like what I've already got for the most part. Um, yeah. So I'd, 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 I don't know. I feel like the whole keyboard angle of the story kind of doesn't apply because I'm going from something that was good to something that by all accounts is good. So I'm just going to be like, well, it's just another keyboard. I've kind of bypassed the whole butterfly era, which yeah, to some degree I'm quite grateful for, I think. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the Magic, if it's if it feels like the Magic Keyboard, if you used one like on your iMac or something, yeah, those definitely do feel better. Um, but it's it's more like the keyboard was for the last you know ten years, where every version might be slightly better, slightly be- less mushy, whatever you want to say. But like, it's not like this huge radical change. But I think the version that you have compared to uh, my first MacBook Pro, which was the two thousand seven. That one was the pre-chiclet days where it was like, you know, you could see like sort of the gap. Yeah. And I don't know how to even describe them. They were silver. You I know, know what you mean. mean. Those, yeah. th- that laptop looks radically different than the even the very first, you know, unibody style laptop with the chiclet keys. But then from that unibody style up to now, I feel like there's a pretty consistent through line in terms of how they look. I had yeah. the um, the 2008 um, early 2008 MacBook Pro and I think I might be remembering this wrong but I sort of feel like it was the late 2008 was where the unibody first came in um, oh, okay. I, it can't be though thinking about the timings that you're talking about with your 20 hang on your 2010 is unibody isn't it Dave yeah yeah and the unibody had been around for a couple of years by that point because it started on the MacBook they just made this MacBook out of nowhere with the unibody and I think loads of people said this kind of is a MacBook Pro, but they're calling it a MacBook, and eventually right. it became the MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I am remembering it right. I think that might have been the the reason for the distinction, sort of early two thousand and eight, and then late two thousand and eight was where they first sort of came in. Um, but yeah. I, I remember yeah, I those right. um, 
those thicker silver keys, Charlie, because um, I, yeah. I had one. Uh, quite um, quite impressive as a machine, actually, in terms of um, had the sort of... No, it kind of felt like it was closer to the old sort of brush metal kind of thing with the speakers and sort of that, that kind of brawn-like industrial design. And then the unibody was sort of fully into the, the sort of modern era. Yeah, they're very, very different. You know what, though? I still, like, every once in a while I still use it because it's the only machine I have that has a Firewire port. True. <laughs> what are you still using that needs Firewire? Uh, well, so so I've, I have a history. That this is the reason, actually, why I'm so excited about the 16-inch, uh, is I do a lot of video work. And so back in the day, everything that we ever did was on HDV or, you know, the little mini-DV uh, tapes. And... When I was working for, like, I was working for a church doing a lot of this stuff, you know, we had an actual, like, deck that you could put the mini DV tape and then use FireWire to connect it to your computer and capture it through Final Cut Pro 7 or whatever. Um, but now I have my old, my family's old uh, mini DV camcorder, and that has a FireWire uh, out of it. And that's the only thing I can use to get these mini DV tapes onto into some sort of digital format. Well, I guess they're in digital, but you know what I mean? Yeah, into an yeah. uh, actual hard drive that I can use. Um, and so it's been like this project that I started whenever I first had kids uh, to try and like get all this digitized before this camera breaks and I have to spend a crazy amount of money to even like look at these tapes anymore. Um, but I haven't gotten all of them yet because it takes a long time. So every once in a while, I'll pull that out and start you know capturing some more. And it, it works surprisingly well. I think it has, like, Mountain Lion on it. Um, it's not that old of an operating system that it supports. And I don't know. I'm always, I always expect it to feel like going way back in time, and it feels way less like that than I would expect. It's, I, um, I did very much the same kind of process just before we left the UK with my old 2008 MacBook Pro. Um, and I had a, an old mini-DV camera, a bunch of tapes... Um, and they weren't digitized so yeah I, I was kind of doing the uh, put one tape in hit record set it running um, and then you know come back a bit later and transfer the file out onto to my main machine uh, and then that that machine that MacBook Pro was sold just before we left the UK um, and I well the camera was pretty much dead so I trashed that and uh, and the tapes as well afterwards <laughs> so that was um yeah that that was part of our sort of leaving process um, can you get a usb-c to firewire is that even possible um i it probably is i don't so i don't have a computer that has usb-c right now um <laughs> you're about to, about to though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's weird because i do have my work computer but i'm not going to use that to capture you know family uh, videos or anything like that but yeah i don't know so this computer has my 2015 MacBook Pro has USB 3. So I don't know if there's a USB 3 to FireWire. There might be. I feel like I looked at this. It may have been a case of uh, this is what I had, and so that's what I've just been using, and now I have the momentum of this is my dedicated machine for using that. I'm not really sure why I'm still doing that, to be honest. <laughs> I am interested, though, to see what it's going to be like. Because like yourself, Charlie, I, I, I've never owned a USB-C uh, computer, so... I'm kind of curious to to see how I get on because I feel like I've kind of been a bystander through this whole 2016 era MacBook Pro to now, and uh, you know a big part of that was people complaining about you know Dongle Town and you know all that stuff. 
And sitting here now, I can't see it being much of an issue. But I don't, I don't know if I'm speaking too soon. Because the only thing I really regularly plug in is my audio interface for doing this. And I figure I can just, I probably don't even need a dongle. I could just get a, get a cable off of Amazon for probably like six or seven pounds. And just that would be done. I just can't see what, what, what else is going to cause me a problem. Yeah, that's kind of the boat that I'm in. Um, I like on one hand, I'm incredibly excited about charging with USB-C because I do have quite a few devices that use USB-C now. And so uh, especially once hopefully the phone uh, joins us in the USB-C world, then I'll just have one cable like all over the house that I can use everywhere. Um, But for now, I'll kind of miss MagSafe uh, in part, not just because of the magnet, but also because like through years of having different MacBook uh, computers and like, I think it was the 2007 machine was the one where um, there was the problem with them fraying and they just gave everybody a free uh, charger if you just went into the store and said, you know, mine was starting to fray. But mine was, it is starting to fray. Actually, you know what? The one that's starting to fray, my original 2007 charger is what's charging my 2015 right now that I'm recording on. Uh, <laughs> I just realized it has the little adapter for uh, MagSafe 2. <laughs> And so I just, I just looked down and I was like, wait a minute, that is that original one, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) that's actually really funny, but I, I just have them all over the house because, you know, we've had them for forever and you could get that little cheap adapter for your old MagSafe ones to adapt to MagSafe too. So, um, so I'll have to switch all that over, but I mean, really USB-C chargers are going to be much easier to come by, I assume, than uh, MagSafe was. Yeah. I guess not at the wattage though that the uh, the sixteen inch will require. Is it ninety six watts? That's true. Ninety six. I mean, yeah. Well, I don't know if it requires that, or it's just that it comes with it, so it'll charge faster. Well, this is what I was going to ask because I I feel like I just don't understand like electronics to to that extent. Like about a month ago, I looked up what amps were and what volts were and all that, and and, and at the time I I understood it and I was like, good, I understand that now, and now I've completely forgotten all about it. <laughs> um, so I mean, if I was looking at a USB-C monitor the other day and it said it can output up to 60 watts over USB-C. Am I right in thinking that if you were to get, say, a 16-inch and plug that into it, it would charge it, but just really, really slowly, and potentially if you were to push the laptop really hard, your battery level might drain for a little bit? Or would it just not work at all? That's my understanding. Is It's, it's similar to on your phone, where you can have a different brick you know, that you use and certain ones will charge it faster, certain ones will charge it slower... And if it was slow enough, you know, if you're pushing your machine really hard, which the 2016, um, because it has so much more thermal footprint, you should be able to push it a lot harder. It might be drawing more power than you're giving it if you're not using that full, uh, what is it, 96 watt Yeah, charger. I, I know I have a friend who has a Surface Pro or Surface Book Pro. I don't remember. One of the Surface ones. And uh, he was really excited whenever he saw that the... Uh, charger that came with this one was 96 watts because he plans on buying one of those because the one that comes with his is not up to that like standard and there's no good chargers on the market for him and if he's like playing a game or something on his that's using too much power it can actually drain his battery more than his charger can charge (laughs) it's like a weird phenomenon huh yeah yeah so i'll uh i'll be interested to see how it actually works out because i'm thinking i'll probably get a monitor at some point and uh, yeah, just see how I go. I imagine for the most part, it won't be a problem because 
when you're just in a text editor, it's not going to be doing an awful lot, is it? And you know, right. like a 60 watt charge in it probably would be enough. Um, and you know, compiling stuff is short bursts of power. Rather, it's not like I'm exporting like Final Cut 4K footage or, or something like that. You know, um, I kind of want to see one in person because I, I feel like I want to. I want to have, have a go on this keyboard, but I, like where where I am in in the UK, I, I just th- there's just nothing around at the minute. Have you, I'm presuming you've you've ordered one, right, Charlie? By now? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. <laughs> I'm usually a very hesitant person, but uh, I had definitely gotten myself to the point of frenzy where no matter what they announced, I was probably going to hit buy. And within an hour, I had already I had already purchased one. So um, when when's it coming? Uh, I actually just got a like shipping thing right before we started recording that said oh. it was leaving uh, Shenzhen or whatever. And should no be here on Wednesday, so I'm very, very excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Yeah, I, um, I, d- I don't know. I've, I've hesitated. Not that I'm, I'm not about whether I get one at all. It's just what, what spec do I get? And I'm, I'm having a really hard time, sort of dialing in what it, what I would like versus what I need, and sort of weighing all that into account. I'm. I've sort of been swinging between the i7 and the i9 and I kind of really want the i9 just because it's the 8 core i9 you know like I just I just really want it <laughs> um um but more the last couple of days I've been kind of thinking well would would I would I be able to get away with a base model i7 cuz that seems like a really well-rounded machine now I mean don't get me wrong I absolutely really would love the i9 but I'm just kind of thinking more like sort of holistically um yeah, whether I can have a bit of money left after all of this um, to put towards other things, such as mesh Wi-Fi, such as a USB-C monitor, such as noise-cancelling headphones. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in a bit of a bit of a pickle really as to, as to what to do. Because before it always felt like the base model had something missing, like the, like the 2018, 2019, 15 inches had a 256 SSD, and that to me is um, that's not great on a, on a pro level machine. But now it's 512. And now we've got really great graphics. In some cases, the base model 5300M graphics is outperforming the Vega 20, from which which was the high end from, like, well, last week, I guess. That was what I was going to ask. Uh, so you've actually seen some of those. I, I haven't seen any benchmarks or anything on that. So they are better than the Vegas, or at least uh, in certain cases, I know it's really vague. In certain cases, approaching or equal slash just surpassed. Um, nice. Okay, good deal. Yeah, so I look at that and I think, well with what I'm actually going to be doing with this laptop, could I just save myself a boatload of money and just get the base model? Um, I don't know. I'm checking with me this time next week and I'll be like, yep, I ordered the i9. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I'm not my sensible head at the minute is like, well, you know, maybe the i7 wouldn't be the worst thing. And then the whole thing is, do I get 16 or 32 gig of RAM? I mean, you probably saw I tweeted about it. Um, and I got mixed responses and I'm still no further forward really as to what to do. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, Any I've advice, been, welcome. <laughs> my thing with Ram, I used to just max out Ram as much as I could. Um, because for like video editing and for after effects, like I was always doing Ram previews for everything where I only had so much space as could fit on the Ram to create a file that could play like in not real time, but in the time that was done in a Ram preview. But now, all of, the, at least the Adobe stuff that I use, 
A, like 90% of the stuff you do is real time anyway, so you're not really doing RAM previews anymore. And even in the case where you are doing them, they can swap over to use the SSD and like, I don't know, at least to me, it's not that noticeable of a difference in the speed. Like I'm sure if you're, you know, working on 8K video all the time, like you'd notice a much bigger difference. But for the stuff that I'm doing most of the time, that's not a big deal. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how big of a deal RAM is anymore. I, I've been using 16 on my MacBook Pro, and coming from my iMac, I thought that was going to be something I would notice, especially when I started doing Xcode stuff. But I've never at least noticed that RAM was something that was hindering me. Um, but it could have been, and I just didn't realize that was, you know, that symptom was caused by a lack of RAM or something like that. Yeah. I think the thing that's weighing on my mind is that the iMac that I sold um, to sort of part fund this MacBook was um, that was a thir- I put 32 gig in that and so in my head it's kind of like it feels a little bit of like a downgrade to go to 16 um, to go with like the you know the pre-configured models that Apple sells um, that being said I don't know if I ever really made use of that 32 gig I mean I, I put it in there and it I felt good about it but I don't really know if it was necessary at all um, I suspect probably not given that when I look at my workflow normally it's sort of Xcode, um, Affinity Designer, Safari, a few random other little apps. Um, Slack, I suppose, is <laughs> maybe a consideration when we, if we're talking about RAM. But uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my sensible head says 16 will be fine. Um, but there's, as I say, there's that nagging doubt. And like you, like you just said, even if you have to swap to the hard drive, if you do run out of RAM, the SSDs are really quick now. So I wonder whether it would even be perceivable with, with the kind of work I'm doing. Uh, like from what you were saying, Charlie, like the whole video kind of stuff, maybe you would notice it. It'd be more apparent. It'd be more obvious, but perhaps not in my case. And even if it's obvious, if it's not frequent, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like if you're only every couple weeks opening an affinity designer project that is big enough that, you know, you start running into some Ram issues and you know, you should close Slack and close, you know, Chrome or Safari or whatever, but you don't. And so you start getting some performance hits there. Like you're going to be able to still do the thing that you want to do. It just might be a little bit slower. And if that's infrequent enough, is it worth the whatever $300, $400 it is to double the RAM? Which I guess is just the question for you. But So I guess from my experience over here on my Mac Mini, I've got the stock 8 gig of RAM in there at the moment. And I noticed that. Like that gives me... That gives me enough hold up every now and again that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I really do need to upgrade that. Um, which on the, the Mac Mini, at least I, I can. You know, this is kind of this job that I need to get around to doing at some point over the next month or so. But equally, if I think about it for like sort of day-to-day usage, if I'm not really trying to compile Xcode and do a load of stuff at the same time, then I don't notice it. So I feel like for me, when I up- update my RAM on this Mac Mini, I've got a similar choice to make. You know, do I go to 16 gig? Do I go to 32 gig? Um, Practically speaking, 16 is probably going to cover me fine. You know, it'll give me that extra headroom for when I'm I'm hitting up compile um, and trying to do a few other things. And then otherwise, if if that's the only time I'm really noticing the grind now on 8 gig, 16 is probably going to be fine. So it's a case of it, similar to yourself, Dave. I, I kind of I want the thirty-two because I sort of feel like it's um, it's giving me some headroom for the future. 
Um, but my my logical brain, if you like, is kind of like, yeah, 16 is going to cover you. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and that's the only one that you think you would do build the order anyway? Um, what, just for the RAM? Right. Yeah, the RAM would be the only thing I would change. Um, for me, I think the i9 one actually, the... Uh, yeah, I think the 2799 model represents... I mean, this, this will sound crazy given that we're talking about something that's 2799, but I think it represents quite good value relative to the 2399 <laughs> model because, yes, it's 400 more, but you're getting a one terabyte SSD, you're getting an upgrade in graphics, and you're getting two extra cores in the in the form of an i9. So, yeah. Yeah, I was... Like, that was the piece that blew my mind more than anything was that the... I, I say base, but the base higher-end model, the un unconfigured higher-end model comes with a one-terabyte SSD. Like, I was not expecting that at all. For the same price as before, it just got a double-sized SSD in there. Yeah, that was a big deal, I thought. I was, I was very, very surprised. Yeah, because I was not... I probably wasn't going to go up to the one-terabyte um, just because I'd rather put that money into something else. And so getting that for free was like holy cow that's gonna be awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean i don't know if you know or, or either of you but the difference in between the 5300m graphics that's in the 2399 model versus is it the 5500m yeah 5500m and then you can choose between four gigs and eight gigs i don't do you know what like the sort of if you can put a percentage on it the, the difference between the 53 and the 5500 i have no idea i think they're like new uh, graphics cards so um, it, the only benchmarks that uh, would be out would be ones that have come out since you know they announced it last Thursday and gave it to some reviewers and so I, I haven't seen any of those yet yeah I'm kind of waiting for for one of the YouTubers to have the base model uh, i7 and the base model i9 and sort of pitch them against each other That's I'd be quite interested to see that um, yeah surely somebody's got to be doing that you would think yeah but is, aren't the i9 shipping later than the i7s because i think most people that i've seen that have got them have got the i7s i'm not sure i i don't know anybody who's gotten one shipped to them already like i know people have gotten them in the stores because they show, started showing up in stores on friday right right yeah yeah um but maybe some people have like i've been a little uh disconnected this weekend but um maybe some people have been getting the base model the 2399 one i think so um, yeah but i'm not sure yeah um i don't know if you've ever seen him on youtube a guy called luke miani um does a lot of sort of map book videos and he went to the store bought a 2399 model just so he could open it up and make a video and then he's going to return it because he's got the i9 one on order so, <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah apple's got such a good returns policy i guess you can do that but i would feel a bit guilty personally about doing that because it's I don't know, I'd, I'd be feeling quite sheepish going into the store, um, just in yeah, case there are I any issues. Yeah, I definitely would be. I know that uh, people I've talked to, their their idea is like, we'd rather you take the thing home uh, with full intentions of returning it and have, you know, 90% of people do that, but 10% of those people are going to end up just keeping it anyway. And so it's like you're getting a whole bunch of sales by... It's kind of like the mattress thing where... Uh, you know, you get those mattresses that get shipped to your house and they have a, you know, 400 day return policy or something like that. It's like most people aren't actually going to return that. And the ones that do, they just have to like donate them because they're not going to sell, resell a mattress that somebody else has already slept on, but it's totally worth it for them for the extra sales they get, um, compared to the amount that they have to just like 
return or in Apple's case, refurbish. It's um, it's interesting actually. Kind of, I'm um, yeah. Before we uh, started recording, we were talking about mesh networks, and I've been sort of researching it quite heavily lately. And I thought, well, maybe I should hold on for uh, for Wi-Fi six mesh networks. And about a month ago, I think Netgear launched their Wi-Fi six Orbi, and I think only in the last week or two, Linksys put out their Wi-Fi six version of the the Velop mesh networks. But they're seven hundred pounds here in the UK, and probably the same in dollars, um, just for a twin pack. So I was like, "Whoa, okay, that's quite expensive." Um, so it's kind of fortuitous in a way that this sixteen-inch has still got Wi-Fi five built into it, not <laughs> Wi-Fi six. <laughs> it means I can just cheap out on the mesh Wi-Fi and not feel so bad about it. Avoid temptation. I've heard people complaining about that, and uh, I don't really understand what the benefits of Wi-Fi six are, other than you know it's going to be better for like big companies and stuff that have buildings with, you know, thousands of devices connected. But maybe there's something else I don't know about. There is a speed benefit to it as well, I'm led to believe. Um, I don't know how that looks in the real world, but on paper it certainly looks quite impressive. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping, despite the cost, that this MacBook would come with Wi-Fi 6, just because I've kind of built a little Raspberry Pi um, sort of network attached storage thing going on. and I thought it'd be quite nice to have Wi-Fi 6 speeds to that because obviously the Raspberry Pi is connected through gigabit Ethernet. So the Wi-Fi between the MacBook and, you know, that's going to be the weak link. So I was kind of hoping for Wi-Fi 6. But given that we were going to be stuck with the same generation of Intel processors, Apple would have had to have put in their own Wi-Fi 6 card into the into the MacBook. Whereas I think with the 10th gen Intel chips, you kind of get Wi-Fi 6 with with that, I think I'm right in saying. Oh, interesting. So I imagine when you know next year rolls around and we get the 45 watt 10 nanometer Intel chips, then you'll start seeing Wi-Fi six. Because um, I guess Apple didn't want to go to the effort themselves to do it this time around when it's kind of just going to be for free in their case from Intel next time. So yeah, kind of it's kind of worked out in a way. I haven't got Wi-Fi six, but it also means I can now cheap out and get a cheaper Wi-Fi. So it's kind of, it's kind of good, I suppose. There you go, the sixteen-inch MacBook Pro saving you money. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I did think was interesting, and not many people that I've heard have actually brought this up, um, is that a lot of the kind of the concepts for this machine, like that you saw on YouTube and various blogs all assumed instantly and i did too that it would have like a a rounded screen in the same way that you know the iphone 10 family of phones and the ipad pros you know the screen sort of rounds into the corners and uh, obviously we didn't get that um i think it's just interesting how that's instantly where everyone's minds went it's like oh of course they're going to do this style of screen on the macbook and we just didn't get it um kind of a little bit sad about that if i'm honest i don't know what you two think about it but i'm I'm a little bit sad about that yeah i mean I that was not really a thing that I cared about. Uh, not that it would have been bad. I mean, same goes for it being like really edge to edge, kind of like there's a couple uh, Windows laptops I think that are like that. And I don't know. It, it was one of those things where it's like that'd be cool, but it wouldn't really affect how I use it. Now, if yeah. if the real story to me would be, oh, we made the case, you know, twenty percent smaller and twenty percent lighter, that would be way more interesting to me than. You know, there are pixels closer to the very edge of the screen than there were before. Um, I, I understand why people would be excited about that, but that, I don't know, for whatever reason, that was never a thing that I was that concerned about. I think the fact that those, uh, 
those thumbnails uh, were leaked inside of like a Catalina build or something early, and those thumbnails did not have rounded edges on the screen. And so, right, yeah, I was under the impression from that point on that it was definitely not going to be like rounded or be like true edge to edge, you know, with no bezels at all or something. (laughs) I remember, I think I even said on this show, like maybe these images are a placeholder to like throw us off the scent. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of Uh, thought they were, (laughs) Um, but I I mean, I look at the machine now um, and the imagery and stuff for what it really looks like. And I can't say I'm disappointed by it not being edge to edge. You know, it kind of to to look at it, it kind of looks like well, that it, it really doesn't need it. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a great looking laptop, isn't it? Yeah, and and I guess I don't know like whether there's other considerations in terms of um, like the the camera array and that sort of stuff as well. If they did sort of start to push to that, do they need to do something different there? And I think I think they've kept pretty much the old one. Doesn't yeah, I, I was going to say it. It seems like they've just got the 720p camera in there still that's been there for for ages. So maybe the screen would have forced their hand and they'd have to re-engineer the camera system, and that just wasn't on the table for the, for this round. Because I think probably they've had quite enough to do as as it is with, with everything they've done. And it, it gives um, it gives things somewhere to go later on as well. You know, like, yes. like yeah. a year's time, two years' time, or whatever. There's all these other little sort of tweaks. And this, that, and the other that could be brought to the machine. Um, yeah. So there's, there's always going to be that that sort of next thing. For me, the overall, it's just like this is this whole thing represents Apple listening, and I think that kind of gives me a lot of a lot of kind of hope for for like the future because really the when the 2016 uh, MacBook Pro came out, there, there was a lot of people not liking it, and a lot of people complained about the keyboard. A lot of people complained about well, the way the keyboard felt, then they complained again when it failed, and then people complained about it kind of running too hot or thermal throttling. It just felt like it felt like Apple wasn't listening, and this is kind of proof that they are listening. I guess it's just that it's kind of like a big ship to turn. You know, it's going to take a while um, from us complaining to us getting thing fixed that we complained about. Um, but this is just this whole thing. Just is it's, it's nice. It's kind of refreshing. It's it's. Uh, feels like they listened to all the things that people said uh, that they didn't like about the previous model and they've gone, here you go, fixed. And I, I think that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> just really cool. No, I was just saying it's funny because uh, I remember the feeling I got leading up to it was, A, everybody is putting all of their hopes and dreams into this and so it's inevitably going to be disappointing. And then especially after the uh, those thumbnails came out and it wasn't like this is the new redesigned thing, like this is the new way that all the new laptops are going to look going forward. And you could definitely feel the air get deflated for most people on Twitter anyway with this idea that like, okay, this is just going to be iterative. Like this is not exciting. And so I had a very different like look on that because uh, like every computer I've bought has basically been the last version of uh, of a like body style. And part of that's because I'm, I'm always leery to buy like the newest version of a thing because there's always, you know, weird hiccups or something like that. And so I was a little nervous about buying this one sight unseen anyway, but I knew I was going to just because I needed it. And so when I saw those rumors, I was like, oh, are we going to get the iMac Pro treatment where it's the exact same case and we've done a complete redesign of the internals? And I was trying not to get super excited about that um, because I also wanted it to be you know cheaper and I didn't exactly want like a $5,000 base model uh, MacBook Pro. And... (laughs) 
what we actually got seems to be like a, the best of both of those things. We didn't get a huge price bump. You know, it just slotted in exactly where the old ones were. But then it got the iMac Pro treatment. Like, in almost every way I can think of, it was like, look, the case basically looks the same, but all of the internals are completely rebuilt for giving us as much thermal headroom as we can. Like, instead of going crazy with the uh, body in in how it looks, we're just going to go crazy with, like, the thermal design and giving us as much headroom because we know we're not going to iterate on this as fast as we iterate on, you know, our main products, which are at this point the iPhones and the AirPods and uh, I almost said HomePods, but maybe that's a bad example. But uh, <laughs> so be like in the iMac Pro, everybody I know who's ever gotten one has said that that's their favorite machine that they've ever bought. And it's funny because when you look at it, it looks exactly like the iMacs have looked for, you know, 10 years or maybe like they got a little bit thinner, but not really that different. And yeah. they did the same thing here. And I'm really hoping that, and, and the early uh, like previews seem to be giving the same impression, which is this is exactly that. This is going to be a lot of people's favorite machine and it's not going to be because it's flashy. It's going to be because it works and it works quickly and quietly and for hopefully a very long time. Damn. That's profound. <laughs> I'm you, very, just, very excited. I think you just landed the ending to our show there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DW Roboheads. That's Robohead spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at Roboheads.com. Again, that's Robohead spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore davenot.com.